Welcome to today's podcast by Preacher, as he provides sound teaching on the pure and undiluted truth of God's Word, with life application that inspires you to live a holy life pleasing to God. We pray that these teachings will inspire you to live out your faith daily with confidence, be assured of your salvation in Christ, and God's unconditional love for you. And now we're going to turn to Ephesians, a letter of Paul to the church at Ephesus, to the first chapter, and we're going to begin with the 15th verse. If you have your Bible, you follow as we read together. For this reason, ever since I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks to God for you. I remember you in my prayers and ask the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, to give you the Spirit who will make you wise, reveal God to you so that you will know Him. I ask that your minds be open to see His light so that you will know what is the hope to which He has called you. How rich are the wonderful blessings He promised His people. And how very great is His power at work in us who believe. This power in us is the same as the mighty strength which he used when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right side in the heavenly world. Christ rules there above all heavenly rulers, authorities, powers, and lords. He is above all titles of power in this world and in the next. God has put all things under Christ's feet and gave him to the church as supreme Lord over all things. The church is Christ's body, the completion of him, who himself completes all things everywhere. Lord, help us to understand what we have just read for the sake of our soul's live church today. A weak faith and a pooped out church. There was a man that worked at a sawmill. Now, if any of you people have ever had any connection with a sawmill, you know, even to look at the thing is hard work. And this man worked at the sawmill. And the man who owned the sawmill noticed that he was running out of strength, that he wasn't able to handle that heavy lumber and throw it around and roll those logs into the saw to be cut into boards and timbers so they could be used. And so he called his strong man aside and said, I noticed that something has happened to you. Uh, that uh, you have lost your strength and you don't have the ability and capability of doing what you have done before. And he said, yes, that's right. And he was weaker, had lost some strength. And he says, what's the cause of it? And the man was supposed to have said, well, it's the diet my wife is feeding me. He said, well, why is she feeding you? He said, well, she puts two chicken bullion cubes and a quart of water and gives it to me to drink and that's it. Well, you could expect a person's strength to fail if that's all they had to eat, you see. Now, I do not know completely and totally why that we within the church have not been able to do a better job with the opportunity that God has given to us today. But when you begin to look at the opportunity and you begin to look at us as a church, you can see, and I'm not talking about just this local church, though we're part of the great body of Christ, uh, that we seem not to be able to make the most of the opportunities that are really coming to us today. Could it be because partially, and I want to emphasize the fact partially, could it be partially because we do not have the spiritual diet 
that you and I should have as being the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is one thing for sure that the opportunity is there. And if we're going to make the most of the opportunity, it seems that we're going to have to do something a little different uh, than we are doing today. The Lord Jesus Christ makes one of the most interesting statements that you want to find within the scriptures at the point that I'm talking from this morning. And you will find in the book of Acts, the first chapter, and you know that so well. As all I have to do is call to your attention. Remember when he was with his disciples and he was about ready to leave them and go back to be with God and assume this power and authority that we read about here in the book of Ephesians? Uh, that one thing he said to the disciples, now you go back to Jerusalem, you wait there until the power comes upon you, I think as the King James has it translated, uh, you tarry there until this power. Now you know that's an interesting statement when you begin to look at the situation. Now let me call it to your attention. Here these disciples were. They had been with the Lord Jesus Christ. They had walked with Him. They had talked with Him. They had cried with Him. They had laughed with Him. They had eaten with Him. They had done everything that human beings can do together as they are in the group together. Over a period of months. And yet Jesus is saying that there is something that yet I'm going to give you uh, that you need in order for you to be able to do the work uh, that I have called you to do. Now, you see, these disciples knew the Lord Jesus Christ. They were in physical contact with Him. They belonged to Him. He belonged to them. And they knew this. And yet, is this the mystery that we, if it is a mystery, that we need to take a look at? Or is this the thing today that keeps us from being totally and completely in God's kingdom what we ought to be? Consider with me, this is a possibility. You see, it's not our lack of knowledge about the Lord Jesus Christ and of the Lord Jesus Christ that stops us. Now, folks, that's not to say that we ought to stop reading the Scriptures. And that's not to say that we ought not to avail ourselves of every opportunity we have to deepen and broaden our concept and our knowledge of what this Scripture is all about and what it's really saying to us about our own position and about God and about His kingdom. Now, folks, I'm not saying anything against that, but you know the truth of it is. Most of us that have reached in the age at all today know a great deal of and about the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we can't say that it is our lack of knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ that keeps us from being what we ought to be today. Now, I don't have to have too many smarts to be able to turn the old TV set on. But you know, it doesn't take much smarts to turn that TV on. Now, if you looked at the inside of it, it'd probably take a brother Fred that has a degree in electrical engineering to be able to understand some of the, the inner parts of that. But uh, for us, we know enough to turn that thing on. And I'm saying that the average Christian today has enough knowledge to participate in exactly what Paul is talking about here without any limitation at all. It's not because lack of knowledge... Uh, that's going to keep you from being precisely what Paul is saying here within the Scriptures in relation to God. So we can't use that. I just don't know enough. Well, we do know. We do know. One of my secret longings has been within the church. I heard it proclaimed by a great preacher some years ago that I heard in a lecture. In fact, he put it on tape. And I've been trying to get a hold of that tape again. And he was speaking to the point of the church that we're thinking about here in our relationship with God and being the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And he said a lady in the due course of his, uh, his lecture, he said a lady of his church called him one evening or one night and said, uh, Preacher, I want you to come. It's my next door neighbor. Uh, she's ready to accept the Lord Jesus Christ as her Savior and Lord. And I want you to come over and tell her how to do it. Sounds reasonable, doesn't it? And this preacher told this lady that was calling him, remember his church, she says, called her by name, I think it was Francis, I'm not sure. And said, Francis said, I will not leave this house tonight to come and tell your neighbor how to accept Christ as their Savior. But what I will do, I'll come and stay with you all night and all day to train you and to teach you how to lead that person to Christ. Now, folks, I think it's a secret desire of every preacher and everyone that's in a place of responsibility within the church to have a group of people that are knowledgeable now of the Lord Jesus Christ. They don't have to call anyone else. They don't have to call the preacher. They don't have to call anyone. When they see one is searching for the Lord Jesus Christ, that they have the ability and capability, they have the knowledge to be able to lead them right there, right then, to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, as long as we want to put this responsibility on someone else and not minister this sacred thing ourselves, the church is going to continue to be in trouble. It's just as simple as that. And I would say to any person here this morning, if you're really interested in knowing how to lead another human being to the Lord Jesus Christ, and you don't think you know how, I will spend the entire week with you if it's necessary to teach you how to tell another person how to meet Christ as their Lord and Savior. Call me. I have long since concluded, until at last we come to the place where this is a burning desire within our heart and our soul, the church pretty much is going to be a great religious social club, and we're going to congratulate one another on a Sunday morning for what a fine job we've done getting up and getting dressed and coming out to church. And we're going to congratulate one another for coming to church and making this supreme effort. And then we're going to go home and forget it for another week. Well, if this is all there is to a church, you tell me in the name of God. What is the difference between this and some other good ethical religious group meeting somewhere else outside of the name of the church? Like the strong man at the sawmill. Somehow or another, we just can't handle the lumber and throw the logs around like we used to. Now, one sure thing God has done, He has done everything that He intended to do to give us this power and strength that we need. Now, folk, I want you to open your Bible. If you brought a Bible this morning, you open it up. I wish we had one this morning in the pew so you could take a look. Because you're not going to believe what I say. It's too fantastic. It's difficult enough to believe it uh, when you see it to hear written. I remember being with an old professor of mine walking across the college camp, an old Professor Bryant. How shall I ever forget him? He was such a lovely, capable, interesting character. He had a sense of humor like you wouldn't believe. I remember we walked by this young man there on the bench on the, on the campus, and he was studying the textbooks like you wouldn't believe. Man, he had it open, he was really going after it. And the old prof stopped, took me by the arm and stopped right there in front of that young man. He says, Don, he says, I want you to see something. He says, here's a young man that doesn't believe a word the professor is saying in class, and he has to read the textbook for himself. <laughs> well, you see the humor in that, a little humor here, you know. Anyway, focus not what I say, 
But you need to see something here this morning, precisely what God is saying to you and to me. It's part of His Holy Word. Now you open your Bible. I want you to just look at something here that's absolutely astounding. Start with verse 17. The last part of that verse. What God is going to do. He's going to give you the Spirit who will make you wise and reveal God to you so that you will know Him. Now, He's going to give you a Spirit. And what is the Spirit going to do? It's going to do basically to start out with three things. It's going to make you wise. What kind of wisdom is this going to be? It's going to be this kind of wisdom. It's two things in relation to that. You're actually going to be able to see the hand of God. He's going to reveal God to you. And you're going to see Him here and there. That's what the old man said 4,000 years ago. He said, I would have painted if I had not hoped to see the hand of the Lord in the land of the living. Now you don't have to guess about that. This Spirit is going to make you wise enough that you're going to be able to see the hand of God in your life and you're going to be able to recognize Him as being God. Not like the old man was up on the house top fixing the roof and began to slide down the roof and hauled out to his wife. She must have been a church-going lady. He wasn't. And he hauled out to her, Pray for me. I'm going to fall off this house and kill myself. Well, of course, she was a loving wife, I'm sure, and she began to pray. Well, he hadn't prayed too long before he began to keep on sliding down. He said, oh, he says, forget about it. Forget about praying. He said, I've just stood across the nail here, and it's hooked in the seat of my pants, and I'm not going to fall off after all. Well, you see, he is saying that this wisdom that you're going to have, is, it's not going to be that you say, I was lucky today. It's not by some freak accident in nature that goodness has come to you that you're going to be wise enough to see that this is none other than the hand of God as is extended to me today. And wouldn't that be a marvelous thing? Oh my goodness. All these wonderful things that come to us from time to time and we, we lay it on to everything else but God. But you're going to be wise, you see. Verse 17, when you have this spirit, He's going to give you a spirit where you're going to be wise, He's going to reveal God to you, and you're going to know Him and... It is His hand, and these wonderful things come to you is because God is blessing you. This mighty power. Now notice something else here. Verse 19. Oh my goodness. How very great is His power at work in us who believe. How very great is His power at work in us who believe. His power. Not some demonic force. Not something I've conjured up within my own heart and soul. Not something because I've gritted my teeth and I've dug my feet in and I'm standing here. It's simply because of my own will and my own capacity to do it. But there is a power that is available to us that can help us to stand and to be what God intended for us to be. Now what kind of a power is this? I want to tell you. You could gather every atomic bomb that's ever been made upon the face of this earth and put it all together in one place and set it all off at one time and that power pales into insignificant in relation to the power that we're talking about here this morning. This mighty power. Now listen to it. This power in us is the same as the mighty strength. Now verse 20. Notice it. Which he used when he raised Christ from the dead. Now wait a minute. You mean to tell me that right now that I have a possibility being in a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ that the same identical power that God used to raise Jesus from the dead is one and the same power that is working in you today that can help you to be the person that you need to be at this hour. And friends, that's exactly what it's saying. 
Now, this was with sin. Read it. You know, I told you you wouldn't believe me. This awesome power that has the power to overcome death. And you're worrying about dying. Well, you're not going to die until, until God permits it to happen. You know, it's not going to come. It's not by accident. Oh, it may look like you... I may not be able to make it home. May some freaky thing happen to me like happened five years ago and something happened. But I want to tell you something. You may think it's a freaky accident, but God is in the midst of the same identical power that was operating in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ that raised Him from the dead. It's one of the same Paul said. It's operating in your life right now. That's God. Say, right now. No chance. You know, no chance. It's not by luck. That's not all. Now notice that the last part of the 20th verse. And they raised Christ from the dead and seated Him at His right side in the heavenly world. Now verse 21. Christ rules there above all heavenly rulers, authorities, power, and lords. He is above all titles of powers in this world and in the world to come. Now you see what He's saying? Not only raised Him from the dead, this, this awesome power is working in you as it did in the Lord Jesus Christ. And this same power is the one and the same that elevated the Lord Jesus Christ to the power at the right hand of God and sustains Him there and keeps Him there, a power above every power upon the face of the earth, regardless of what it is, and the world that is yet to come. Now this is the power that's working in you and in me. Now verse 22. God put all things under Christ's feet and gave Him. Now look at this. Don't lose me. And gave to him the church as supreme Lord over all things. The church is Christ's body, the completion of himself. Look at that. Look at that. The completion of himself. He gave Christ the church. And the church is the completion of of the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, just as much as your body is the completion of your brain or of your soul. The body is a completion of your brain or of your soul. It's the expression of your brain or your soul. I don't care which way it is. That's what way you want to call it. Your body is the expression of that eternal being that lives within you. And that's exactly what he is saying that Christ is in relation to the church. In order that we might be able to have this power, this transforming power that is available to you and to me today. God intended, my friend, let me say to you without any hesitation, God intended for you to be a blessing. Are you a blessing to someone today? Are you a blessing to someone today? A completion of Him intended to be a blessing. My friend, there isn't any excuse upon the face of this God-given earth if you fail to be what God has called you to be. Now, I know that's been pretty academic this morning, and I appreciate your, your sincere thought in this matter. And now let me close by saying to you just three things and then making an observation. The power is available there for each one of us to be part of it, to use it, to fulfill your life completely and totally and for you to know that it's being fulfilled. Now, how in the world can I switch this power on? 
how can I switch this on in my life for it to be the living, creative, dynamic, life-giving blessing that God intended for me to be? Well, first thing, I would admit to God that I am totally inadequate to be what He wants me to be without His help. I cannot be. I cannot change the inner man. Only Christ can do that. I would admit right out, Lord, I am totally incapable of being what you want me to be without your Holy Spirit. Secondly, I would simply say to God that He all something He already knows, that I am a sinner. I am a sinner. The only difference between me and any other human being that you want to find anywhere, any place, on a street, anywhere, if there's be any difference, that I am a sinner saved by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. But I am a sinner. That's the way that it is. As long as you think that you merit salvation for your goodness, or that you can earn it, as long as you think that this, you do not need any help, and you're not going to get any help from God, until you come to the place where you have to admit that I am a sinner. Thirdly, I must surrender. Now here it is. I must surrender myself completely and totally to the Lord Jesus Christ. I must give up all my rights to myself. Now listen to that one's loaded. I must give up all rights to myself. That's the one we stumble over, you see. Where does Christ come in your life? Especially when His will comes in conflict with your will. Or His desire comes in conflict with your desire. Then where does He stand? And where do you stand? Or is it the place where we read Him out and we let our will and let our desire to be the supreme will and desire? You see, I have got to vacate all rights to myself. Not half, not 95%, but I've got to surrender completely and totally to the Lord Jesus Christ. I remember a lady coming. Oh, I've had similar experiences to this, but this one at this moment sticked out in my mind years ago. I had a lady come and she was so distressed about the church. In fact, it's in relation to a group of young people, not just a 10, 11, 12 year olds in the church. No one seemed to care. No one would make themselves available to teach them and to train them and to be with them and help them and their growth in the Christian way. I always had struggled the church and she she came into the office and she was so distressed and she she cried. And she talked about it and the life of the church and, and in fact if you don't have anybody to cry with you and it comes something like that, I'll preach or cry with you. Come on over, I'll sit down and cry with you. And we cried, she cried and I cried. We must have cried buckets of tears. And then I concluded as as I listened to her talk uh, how concerned that she was about the situation. Here's the person that we've been looking for. The Lord has laid it on her heart and her soul. She sees the need. And now the response. And I have it within, because the church has given to my power, and to give her a place in the church to serve and to work where she sees the need happens to be. And so I ask her, would you, you are capable and you see the need, and I know you can, would you accept the responsibility on a Wednesday night to see that these young people are cared for? She says, oh no, I can't on a Wednesday night because that's the night that I go out with the girls to bowl. Where do we stand? 
in relation to our commitment to God. Is it true that God comes on after self? That's not what the Scripture is saying. That's not what I'm saying. I am saying, for you to have this awesome power released in your life the way that God intended it, that you will have to vacate all right to yourself. And where your will is in conflict with God, if God doesn't will, uh, His will went out, my friend, you will not know the power that I'm talking about this morning. I don't care how well you think you know the Christ. And it's a possibility. You know the Christ enough to be saved. But we're talking about a power in the life of people and in the church. Why is it that we wait until we are reduced by loss of health or something else before we make this commitment? I was made sad because the word came back to me just a couple of weeks ago that a person that I had the privilege of working with in years gone by. Had a great opportunity we did. They had a great group of young people, hundreds some. Some 60 some in one program within the church. We bought three buses in order that we might be able to minister more perfectly to our community. And the group of young people were involved in a choir. Wanted to use one of the buses. That's fine. But you will have to buy the gas food. You know, you wonder how the board controls the situation. You see, the preacher and anybody else can think of great programs, but unless the board votes money to sustain that program, honey, that program's going to go. And the board had said in a positive way to the preacher, and anyone else was listening in the board meeting, we will appropriate money to run that bus on a Sunday to go into our community to pick up kids that don't come to church. Now, we're not going to appropriate one dime for anyone else in this church to use that bus. That's the way that it was. I voted against it. Preachers, I voted. I told this lady, lovely lady, I said, the choir and the choir director, I said, you'll have to have money to pay for the gas. Well, they didn't understand that. Both of them got mad. In fact, this, this lovely lady got so mad at the preacher that she actually stopped coming to church and went and joined another Methodist church. And let it be known that she joined another message church simply because of the dumb preachers that we had in that church at that time talking about me. You see, I couldn't explain to all of them. It wouldn't make sense to them. The board says something to them. I can't do anything outside what the board says do in relation to money. Well, anyway, now she contracts a deadly disease. And long before she dies, she knows that she's dying. And the word came back to me the other day that she died as it came to me strong in the faith of her Lord. And she told those who would listen to her that I am sorry for what I did to the preacher and what I said. Don't lose sight of what I'm talking about. Why? Why, dear friends, do we wait until we're stripped of all of our earthly power before we come to the place to make our commitment to God? The tragedy of it is that we wait. Why don't we do it while we're well? Why don't we do it today? Why don't we say to God, listen, I'll close by saying this. There's three things that you need to do right now. You don't have to wait a week. You don't have to wait a month. You don't have to wait another hour. Right now. Folks, if there's anyone here this morning who wants to be caught up in the power that I'm talking about this morning, you simply, let's do this this way. Stand with me. Come on, let's stand up this morning. We're going to, get, we're going to sing a hymn and we're going to go home.
Now bow your head. If there's anyone here this morning, while our heads are bowed, and all of us are praying, you pray this prayer with me. Just simply say this, I cannot fulfill my life, Lord. I am a sinner. I surrender my heart, soul, and mind to thee. Now through thy Holy Spirit, come into my life and make your abiding place my soul to empower me to be your servant. Amen. Now turn in your hymnals, dear friends, to hymn number 187. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Thanks for listening. Hope you were blessed. We pray the Holy Spirit will make you a doer of his words, finishing the work he started in making you more like Christ for the transformation of this world and preparation for heaven.